I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52, probably one of the more familiar passages um, speaking about the suffering, the death of Christ. Seems especially appropriate as we plan to come to the Lord's table at the close of our service. I'll begin reading at verse 13 of Isaiah chapter 52. And just note these words and, and, and how, could the, how could what's written here not be referring to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think this passage above all others has been instrumental, more instrumental, uh, in bringing those who were continuing in Judaism to the faith uh, than perhaps any other. Now hear the word of God. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently... He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that we, when we see him, that we should desire him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we, sort of, and we, as it were, hid our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. The truth? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. He will declare his generation, for he was cut off from the land of the living. With the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the straw. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors, and bore the sin of many. 
and made intercession for transgressors. Incredibly powerful passage. I trust it touches your heart as it does mine. would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to first no second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. Scripture from chapter 4 and chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians uh, I think it has profound impact, profound influence on what we are about as church. Uh, in fact, in my introduction I'm going to read a few verses from, from chapter 4, so you might want to keep your Bibles open as we uh, begin, begin our study. So let's read verses 13 through verse 2 of chapter 6. Before we begin there, let's look at verse 10. (laughs) Then we'll go down to verse, uh, verse 13. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Let's think in a minute. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And drop down to verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with Him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. 
Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Gospel ministry uh, has been entrusted to fallible men to proclaim the Word of God. I mentioned I was going to read a couple of verses from chapter 4. Well, look, look how it starts. The Apostle Paul is kind of defending his ministry of the Gospel. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But what we have done, he says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways, manipulation. We refuse to practice cunning and to tamper with God's Word but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And if our, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And here's kind of the point of these verses. For we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is that message? What is the message of the Gospel? Well, I think he gets to that in the last couple verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and, and that's going to be our, the focus of our text. Verses 20 and 21. And, and we're going to look at these verses from the end of those two verses to the beginning. So, I don't know if it's in the bulletin or not, but verse 21b would be the second half of verse 21. 21a, the first part, and then we'll finish by looking at the uh, the... the really the call of the Gospel in, uh, in verse 20. We will see that the Apostle Paul urges the church in Corinth, I think by extension, all men in all places, people in churches everywhere, to receive the reconciliation provided by God. So the first question we're going to answer is, what is the goal of of this reconciliation. Because it says, be reconciled to God. Well, what does that even mean? What is the goal of this reconciliation? Secondly, what is the cost of this reconciliation? What has to happen before we can have peace with God? You know, I think of question answer 12 of the Catechism. It's the beginning of the, the second part. It says, since then, by the righteous judgment of God, we deserve what? We deserve condemnation, right? How can we escape that condemnation? How can we be restored to peace with God? Well, the answer comes back. God will have His justice satisfied. The soul who sins, Ezekiel says all over the place, is the soul that will die. So it's, it's not a matter who your mom and dad are. It does, it's not a matter who your friends are. It doesn't matter who your pastor is on a certain level. I mean so long as you're hearing the Gospel preach, What matters is your connection, your relationship to Almighty God uh, in, in the person 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. First off, the goal of reconciliation. Uh, what, what, is, what is reconciliation? You know, we, we, we talk about differences of opinions and perspectives, and, and sometimes those differences of opinions and perspectives say, oh, I don't like you anymore. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Well, how do we achieve a reconciliation between two parties? Well, as, as we know, lots of married people here, it's a matter of give and take. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of saying yes, dear. And then <laughs> get past it, right? But other times it's a matter of principle. And, and, and we can you know, try to be uh, as appeasing as possible, but the, the hard truth uh, is, is that apologies need to be given and, and forgiveness extended. Well, in this big picture of reconciliation, we're talking about God and, and, and human beings. How, how's that going to happen? Well, we can be sure that because God is holy, righteous, and true, and that men, as the Catechism 12 says, since we are corrupt, right? Uh, we are the enemies of, 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 of the Almighty. Uh, how can that be fixed? How can that be repaired? Well, the situation was so severe, going back to the Garden of Eden, that um, when Adam and Eve sinned, they loved their new Lord. Who was their new Lord? There was, at that moment, peace between Adam and Eve and Satan and enmity between God Adam and Eve and Satan. How do I know that? Well, what, what is the promise of the Gospel? God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and Eve, between your offspring and her offspring. Why did He have to put enmity there? Because there was peace. There was a cord. Well, how is that going to happen? Well, this is getting right to the heart of the Gospel, isn't it? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise His heel. In other words, an unjust punishment will be afflicted on the seed of the woman so that the just penalty of sin could be satisfied. And of course, this reconciliation is possible only if and only when these requirements are met. Uh, I've, I've called Second um, Corinthians 5.21 kind of the transaction of grace. For He, God Almighty, made Him who knew no sin, the incarnate Son of God, to be sin for you. That's our second point. Now, our first point, that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. So, the goal of this call to reconciliation, the goal is that we might become the righteousness of God. For He made Him... What is this verse? 
For our sake He made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Can we become the righteousness of God by the act of our wills? Uh, In fact, in our fallen nature, we wouldn't even want the Gospel. Look at the world. Remember that verse in 2 Corinthians 5? Or chapter 4, rather? The God of this age has what? Has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they don't even want the Gospel. They don't want reconciliation. They hate God and that's how they want it to stay. Until and unless the Holy Spirit opens their hearts, their minds, their lives to see and to know the truth of God's love and His grace and our purpose in, in, in the world. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Remember last week we read Hebrews chapter 4? Before the eyes of whom we are what? All things are open and, and, and naked. Wouldn't that be a sight to see? Well, what that means is it knows all our secrets. You know, we, we think, oh, nobody knows what I'm doing, so I can do whatever I want. That's not the way it works. God is almighty. God is holy, righteous, and true. And, and for those who pretend to be one thing while they're quite committed to another thing, they're, they're the ones that are warned in, their, in our pre... Uh, the form that we read in the Lord's Supper. That there's some secret sins going on. It's better for you not to take the Lord's Supper than to pretend to be holy and righteous when your heart is wicked. Who are you fooling? Certainly not God. The cost of this reconciliation is almost inconceivable. Almost. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. If that verse wasn't found in the Bible, I'd say, ah, oh, that, that can't be so. But what that does is it's talking about what we call imputation. We talk about Adam's sin, Adam and Eve's sin is imputed to all their offspring, credited to everybody's account. So even the baby in the womb before they've done good or evil, guess what? They're already guilty before God. And they need His grace. We might say, well, that's not fair. Well, we don't get a call that one. We're not the umpire. God is. And, and, and he says, can the Ethiopian change his spots? No. <laughs> that's not right. Can the leper change his spots? No, the leopard can't change his spots. Can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin? No, neither can you change your, your righteousness, your sinfulness before God. It's just not the way it works. There's only one who can do that. And and there's only one who does do that. And that, of course, is God. How? Through the singular sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the Gospel. And so this cost isn't a, a cost that we bear. You know, if I go without eating meat for the rest of my life, would that make me acceptable in God's sight? 
if I do this, none of that's going to help. We can't fix what's broken. The only way that we can find reconciliation with God is God's way. And so the cost that's born in our salvation, it's not born by us. You know, sometimes we think we got it bad by people call us names, they poke fun of us. Well, whoopee-doo. The Almighty endured the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Think about that. And, and this matter of imputation, it's kind of bad. Uh, Adam's sin comes to us, but that, that legal crediting of sin also can transfer our sins to the Lord Jesus. So that when He is on earth, when He's living His life, when He's you know, suffering the, the, before His crucifixion, all of those things, and in His crucifixion, he's, he's really guilty. He's really, at that moment in time, deserving of death. Why? Because He has our sins. It's not just a, a game. It's not just pretend. It's real. Our sins are credited to His account. That's the only way salvation can work. And, and then He satisfies. He pays the penalty. He pays the price. Well, the so what is verse 20. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Let me read that same verse in the New King James. It's a little bit different strength, I think. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us imagine that? As though God were pleading with you to be reconciled to Him. Again, if it wasn't written, I would say that doesn't sound right. But that's the Gospel. That's the preaching of the Gospel. And so we have this ministry, we have this message, God's heart, to the pastor's heart, to the people's heart. Of course, what is the essential link here? Are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we heeding? We are ambassadors. What do ambassadors do? Well, they, they are official representatives of the state, or in this case, we are official representatives of God Himself in the ministry of grace. Can we say what we want? No, we have to preach the Word. We may add to it, we may subtract from it, but we need to preach the Word and call men to faith. And, and, and something about the way God has ordained the, the teaching, the preaching, the ministry of the Word, when we hear that Word, we hear the Scriptures, the, the Holy Spirit bears witness. Hear this. Do this. Trust this. We, we all trust somebody. We all listen to somebody in this world. The tricky part is to listen to the one that really matters. 
and of course, God's Word and, and His grace. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, starting, I guess, verse 21, there's a righteousness that has been revealed apart from the law. That is, there's a righteousness that's not credited to the doer. A righteousness that comes by faith. Well, as that, as that paragraph continues, it says, so that God is, is both just in punishing sin in His Son and the justifier of His people. What a deal. It's almost like a, an, an expansion of, 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 of Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6, or 6 and 7. It says, you know, when Mo, God, God revealed Himself to Moses, I am the Lord, uh, compassionate, loving kindness, mercy and truth. I'm not quoting it exactly right. And He will not allow the wicked to, to go unpunished. That's God. God's not playing around. God is to the utmost, most serious about these things. And the only right action on our behalf is to listen. Is to do. Be reconciled to God. It's okay if you're half-hearted about this. Is it? (laughs) No, it's not. Because God wants your whole heart. He wants your unqualified. He wants your uncompromised commitment to Him, to His Word, and to His truth. It's like the kind of love a wife wants from her husband. Does he? Does Does she mind if he sees other people on the side? You know, well, yeah, we're married, but well, that'd be disloyal. That'd be wicked. God's love for us is singular. In fact, the first commandment says what? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what does it mean to come to the Lord? To come to His table? What's question two of the catechism say? What do I need to know to live and die in the joy of truth? First, the greatness of my sin and misery. Park there until you agree with question answer 12 of the Catechism. No point going on. What else do you need to know? Well, you need to know how you're redeemed from your sin and misery. That has to soak in. And then what effect does that have? How, how do you show your gratitude to God? Your thankfulness to God for this redemption? That, of course, is where we're at today. How do we thank God? How do we worship Him? How do we serve Him? Amen. Father in Heaven, we are grateful to You for today. We thank You for Your Word and what seems a pretty clear verse, urging us, telling us what to do and why. Lord, might it be that You would be exalted in the earth, that You would continue to gather lost and wayward sinners like us to Yourself, that we might seek first Your kingdom and Your righteousness. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
like to read before you, or with you, the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Uh, it begins quoting a fairly large section of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is where Paul is saying, this is what I was told, and so this is what I'm going to tell you. Right? That's the transmittal of the gospel, of the apostolic practices uh, written in the Word. Beloved in the Lord Jesus, listen to the words of the institution of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had broke it, he gave thanks and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and until He comes again, it is to be observed as a continuing remembrance of the sacrifice of Himself. The bread, the wine, signify and seal the remission of sins and nourishment and growth in Christ. They are a bond and pledge of the communion of believers with Him and with each other as members of His spiritual body, the church. As signs and seals of the covenant of grace, they not only declare that God is faithful and true and will fulfill the promise of the covenant, but also they summon us to all the duties of the children of God. Call us to renewed consecration, renewed dedication, in gratitude for His salvation. In order that we may celebrate the Lord's Supper to our comfort, it is first necessary that we properly examine ourselves. A true examination of ourselves consists in these three parts. First, let everyone consider by himself his sins and accursedness, apart from Jesus Christ, so that he may be displeased with himself and humble himself in the presence of God. Second, let everyone examine his heart as to whether he truly believes the certain promise of God that all his sins are forgiven only for the sake of Jesus Christ. Third, let everyone search his conscience, whether he is determined to show his gratitude to God, the Lord, all the days of his life, by walking uprightly before him. It's my duty to warn the uninstructed, the profane, the scandalous, those who are trying to pull one over on other people in God, who secretly and unrepentantly live in any sin, that these should not approach the holy table where they would partake unworthily, not discerning the Lord's body, and so eat and drink judgment to themselves. Nevertheless, this warning is not designed to keep the humble and contrite from the table of the Lord, as if the supper were for those who might be free from sin. On the contrary, we who are invited to the supper come as guilty and polluted sinners, who are without the hope of eternal life apart from the grace of God in Christ. We confess our dependence for pardon and cleansing on the perfect sacrifice of Christ. We base our hope of eternal life upon His perfect obedience and righteousness. And we humbly resolve to deny ourselves, crucify our old nature, and follow Christ as becomes those who bear His name. That we might partake of these elements uh, uprightly and in a way pleasing to God. Let's ask His blessing. Gracious God, we thank You that we can be assembled here, that we can have this ordinance before us today. Uh, we are told that we are to observe the Lord's Supper. Do this until I come again, Jesus said. 
O Lord, so as we take of the bread, we take of the wine, uh, help us to remember the price paid. Uh, What did it cost uh, for our sins to be forgiven and for us to become reconciled children of Almighty God? We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.